Hi everyone, welcome to the Next Level Finance Podcast. My name is Tony Kane, entrepreneur, mortgage broker, and finance coach. And each week, I'm gonna bring you an inspiring person and practical finance tips to help you to discover how you can grow your wealth and build an amazing lifestyle for you and your family. Just a quick note, Everything that we go through in this podcast is for financial education purposes only, and I'd highly recommend engaging a finance professional before making any major financial decisions. I'm really excited about this one today because we're going to be covering off a really cool topic that I love called the five steps to financial freedom. So I've designed these five steps over pretty much 12 years, and it's I've been so fortunate that these five simple steps have helped thousands of clients of mine to completely transform their financial lives and sort of work towards becoming financially free and building an amazing lifestyle for themselves and their family. So today I wanted to firstly introduce the five steps to financial freedom. I'm going to go through every step one by one just to give you an idea how they work and then help you figure out maybe where you fit in along that journey. I'm also going to introduce you the money mailbag. So Money mailbag is where you can anyone can write in and you can ask a, any financial question you like and I'll aim to get through as many as I can every single week. I've got a really good one today talking about, okay, whether you pay off debt or save, which is one of the really big questions I get all the time. What I figured out was that pretty much everyone in life wants to get to the same end point and that is they want to have a, a home that they really love that's debt free and they want to have a bucket of money that they can take out of every week to fund their desired lifestyle. Like I've said on previous podcasts, you may want to work, you know, a thousand hours a week or zero hours a week. That doesn't matter. But what what I when I talk about financial freedom, it's just having that situation where you've got the choices to to do what you want to do, you know, when you want to do it with the people that you want to do it with. So how I've figured out the best way to get there is by taking the five steps to financial freedom, step by step and deviating as less as possible. Now, I know the world's not perfect and things come up and blindside us all from time to time that really throw our plans out of whack. So what the five steps to financial freedom is designed to do is to help you sort of picture it like you're in a swimming pool. It's just swimming in a lane. It's just, you know, you might hit the edges every now and then hit the ropes, but the five steps just keep you on track and it's a really clear-cut way of you understanding what level you're at and what you need to do to get to the next step and you know get closer and closer and closer to building that financial freedom for yourselves and your family. Righto, so let's go. So step one, right? So step one is what I call building the foundation. Now it's um it's it's probably a more boring step, right? Because you've got to do some housekeeping, but it's a bit like building a house, right? It's not very if you're building a house and you you know you, the slab is poured and the foundation there, it's a big concrete pile. It doesn't It's not very exciting, you know. You're not going to go tell your friends to come over and have a look at it. But without it, you know, you're not going to be able to ver- build a very strong long-term property and that's what we're all about here, long-term wealth. So well, how what goes into building the foundation? So our concrete, so to speak, right, is firstly knowing your number. So what you need to figure out is your cash flow. So if you don't have a cash flow system, right, forget about it the five steps are <laughs> out the window before you even get started now it's okay if you don't have a system because that's that's my job to help you install a cash flow system something that works for you you know year in year out and, and it allows for things to you know to go wrong sometimes so you know another word for it would be budget i sort of like the word cash flow system because budget's a little bit um so for me it, it's a little bit like um 
like a chore budget. It's, it's, you know, I've, I don't like the word. It makes me feel like I'm I'm restricted and what have you. Which don't get me wrong. I, to get wealthy, you need to you know have some restrictions on your cash flow and manage it better. But let's talk about cash installing a cash flow system into your household. So what I mean by that, right, is you need to make sure that when money comes into your house, whether it's you're in your own business or it's it's from a an employee that you work for, that you've got a system and you've got direction for those funds to be distributed. So one way to do it is you have a hub account. That's basically like the central engine where all the money comes into. Now, I firstly like to do all my sort of housekeeping first. So what my wife and I will do, and I've recommended this to hundreds, if not thousands of clients, is to... Start with a hub account. So picture, picture what you've got one bucket, everything goes into the one bucket, right? Then what you want to do is you want to do all the hard stuff first. So my wife and I, we automatically pay the mortgage straight away. We pay the investments straight away. We sort out the girls, the, you know, our investments for our children. Then we um, allocate a certain amount of money to a separate account, which we call the bills account, right? And that's the account where all the direct debits are linked to. So all of the, the childcare, school fees, electricity, utilities, we've got um, cards linked to that for petrol and groceries and um, Netflix and gyms and things like that, right? So that's our bills account. So money comes into the bucket, you know, we've got a transfer out of that bucket into a, another bucket called the bills bucket, right? Then my wife and I have our own buckets over here on the, on the other side where she gets a certain amount in her bucket every week, which has got her ATM account, uh, card linked to it, and I get the same thing where I've got an ATM linked card link. So that means if I want to go and have, you know, beers with the boys or wife wants to go and buy, you know, you know, get the hair done or whatever, we don't really care. And I think that's one of the key things where a lot of couples go wrong, where they're trying to join it all together and there's that there's that constant, what do you spend, what do I spend, I didn't do that, you did that, what have you, right? We want to get away from that. So this is one way I've found where it's a little bit like, all right, well, this is what I get in my bucket every week and this is what you get. And if I just want to spend it on this, it's my, that's my problem and, and what have you. And it's actually not a bad place to get to. So... That's and then essentially the last thing is I want you to have well the, one of the first things is you should also have another bucket which is like your you know your rainy day emergency bucket where you've just got to you know try to allocate a percentage of your income maybe five ten percent of what you take home just into that bucket and that's for when the you know the car blows up or you get that friend who decides he wants to marry that girl in Colombia and you've got to go and get on a plane in eight weeks that you didn't plan on getting on that that type of stuff and because what you don't want to do is you don't want to have that money coming out of your bills account. That's your cash flow system, right? I'll talk about that a lot because that's really the start of becoming wealthy, knowing where all the, the flow of funds are going through. You've got to start thinking of yourself as a company and going, okay, well, this is a company. There's Every company has income, has expenses, and has profit, right? As a household, you want to be you want to be a profitable household, right? Because that's what what happens is with that profit, which is essentially income less expenses equals profit. That's the stuff that makes you rich. So the more profit you have, the quicker you're going to be wealthy. All right. So once you've done the cash flow system, so this is still this is all in the step one lane, right? So we've got to go and do some boring stuff. We've got to go and sort out our insurances. We've got to go and sort out our retirement savings accounts and we need to go and make sure that we have a will in place. So one by one, right, insurances. So the main critical ones are life insurance to make sure that in the event of your death, your loved ones are looked after. Disability insurance, if you're permanently disabled, then you've got then you've got enough money to, to you know pay the bills and pay off your debts because you're not going to be able to work anymore. The other one that I'm really passionate about is income protection to make sure that 
if from sickness or injury you're unable to work, that you've got money coming in every month to protect your income. And the last one is trauma insurance. So if you were to suffer from a heart attack, cancer, stroke, or another major one-off illness, then you get paid a lump sum. So talking insurances, this type of thing can get really technical, and it's not something that I'd recommend you buying off the shelf. You know, I I was an advisor for for eight years, and, you know, even as an advisor, it's a really technical part of, of the work that needs to be done. So I'd highly recommend that you go and engage a financial planner to get this stuff done um. Get it done properly because there's nothing more important than providing money for yourself and loved ones when you, you know in the event that you need it most. And uh, the, the golden rule is, you, I honestly believe, you know, and I don't sell it, so I'm not conflicted. But you can never have enough. You, you should be, you should buy as much insurance as, as you can as you can afford. That would be my suggestion. But um, like I said, very important to go and see a, a professional in this space. Um, while the good news is anyone who organises insurance, a financial planner will at the same time be able to sort out your retirement savings. So. What I want you to do is make sure you've only got one, one maybe two re- retirement savings accounts. A lot of people I've met with and coached over the years have sometimes five, ten accounts. So we just want to give you one retirement account. Make sure that a minimum of nine point five percent of your income is going into that account every single pay. Doesn't matter if you're self-employed or your employee. A minimum nine and a half percent, right, going into that account, and it's invested properly. It doesn't sound like a lot, but this retirement savings account will be a large part of your long-term wealth. So it's critically important that you A, set it up right, B, make sure it's invested properly for your age and your circumstances, and C, make sure that you've got regular income going into it. The last housekeeping component of step one is organising a will. Just making sure that in the event of you and your partner's death or one, um, or one, of, the, one, of, the, one of you to pass away, what a will does, it's basically... It's an instruction manual for the people to sort out the mess that you leave behind. So, you know, for an example, with my wife and I, if if, if we were to pass away, our will states who look after, who looks after our kids. Our our insurances will go to that person to look after our children. We the will outlines how we want um, our kids to you know be educated. How um, at what age they can access our funds, you know. So it's not that's what a will does. It just provides all of those directions. And uh, don't worry, we're talking about creating wealth, and this is a happy, fun place. But you've just got to go. You've just got to go and get this little bit of housekeeping done to make sure that you know it's like yeah, you know, it's it's all about the foundation. There's no point. Let's get in the fancy, you know. Let's get the fancy walls in and put the pool in because if we haven't got this stuff done, you know, the ha- your house will your financial house will be a house of cards, and there will be sort of leaks in it and gaps in it that will cause you problems down the track. So. There's the boring stuff out of the way, but I highly encourage you to make sure you go and sort out your, build a cash flow system, sort out your insurances, sort out your retirement savings accounts, and make sure you get a will in place. Once you've done all of that, right, the next thing is investing. So when you're getting started, you might already pass this point, I understand that, but let me just explain what I'm talking about. In step one, you need to make an investment, right? So once you've done that housekeeping, I want you to look at aiming towards getting what your starter investment. Now, most of the time, that would be a property. So I want you to work towards buying a property. In the rough rule of thumb, your first property should be no more than five to six times your annual income. So if you're buying it with a partner and your, and your combined household income is 120000 you'd be looking at spending around about five to 600000 as a maximum, right? And ideally... You don't want the repayments of this property to exceed more than 30 to 40% of your take-home salary. So um, I'd encourage you to touch base with the guys in my team at Next Lending Solution at Next 
lend.com.au to get some advice on this one. But yeah, like I said, you don't want to make sure for your starter property, five to six times your income will be the value of the property. And we don't want to, we don't want the cost of that property exceeding more than 30 to 40% of your wealth. So you'd like I said, you might be way past that. If you've already got 20,000 properties, but you don't have your housekeeping in place, go back and look at that. So that's step one of the financial freedom system, basically housekeeping, getting started in investment. And that investment could also be, you know, a parcel of shares or a managed fund or what have you. But as long as you're making a commitment to 30 to 40% of your take home pay is going towards building your investments in your future. So moving on to step two. So step two is all about sort of that transitional phase where you might, you're probably more established in your career now and you're looking at a longer term property. So not so much a dream home, but this is where I want you to think about, okay, where, where are we going to live for a where for an extended period of time, you know, seven to 10 years. And I want to work towards potentially using the proceeds from that starter property, the one that you did in step one, right? To upgrading into a longer term property that you can see yourself in for, a, you know, a, an extended period of time. So, what the rule of thumb here is, right, it's very similar to before. I don't want you to extend the value of this property to more than seven or eight times your annual income because that, that, that can become a little bit dangerous as well as I want you to protect yourself with cash flow where the repayments of this property aren't exceeding more than 30 to 40% of your take-home salary. So you can run the numbers on that and reverse engineer it, but that's sort of the aim and you know to not overextend yourself and make sure you don't leave yourself short. It's also important to speak to the, you know, get the right debt advice when structuring these loans. And that's what my team do. But you want to make sure that you, you get the right loan set up so you can move towards paying it off quicker. Because part of this step two is A, getting yourself into a long-term property where, you know, if you have a family, you can raise a family and provide that sort of structure and that long-term base. So this, the second part of step two is also getting this debt down to 50%. So I want you to, uh, before you do anything fancy and go and invest in any, any more money, I want you to literally jump on the beans and rice diet. This is where, you know, step one, you have a bit of fun, right? You, you know, you, you can you buy a starter property, but you can go and enjoy yourself. Step two is pretty boring where I want you to really focus and, and strap in for a bit of a slow, boring ride where I want you to just literally be laser focused on getting your mortgage down to 50% of the value. So, so let's say you start off, you're buying a million dollar property, right? And you borrow 800000 and fast forward four years, five years' time, that property's now worth $1.2 million. I want to make sure that you're down to 50%. So your debt, in that example, would be 600 grand, which is 50% of the value of the property. So once you've done that and achieved that goal, it's super simple, then you're ready to move on to step three. So step three, what, what you've got there is you've, you've built the foundation, you've got a cash flow system, you've got insurances, retirement accounts, you've got your will sorted, you own a long-term property, which you own at least 50% of. So that's that's where now you're in step three. Now this is where it's really important to go and get the right advice and speak to an expert because it could be a good idea to use your equity that you have in your house to invest to grow your wealth for the future, right? So... Typically, some what I would recommend or suggest to someone is if we go back to that example before where you've got a property versus one point two million worth one point two million and you owe six hundred thousand, what you could t- what you could potentially do is buy an investment equivalent to the size of your debt. So you could go and therefore go and buy another property worth six hundred thousand. Okay, so home worth one point two, you owe half, you 
you owe half of it, right? Six hundred. So then you go and use the equity to go and actually buy another property for six hundred thousand dollars. And a good mortgage broker will be able to structure that right for you, both for both for cash flow and for tax purposes, right? So that's all in step in step three, right? That's all I want you to do, right? Because what what I call that investment property is actually I call it the debt free property. So that if you if you follow my stuff, it's called the DFP debt free property because this investment that you make is actually going to help you to one day pay off the balance of your mortgage. So this sort of phase or step, right, it can be a slow burn, but what happens, I want you to keep trying to chip away at your mortgage, do as you know as much as you can, start hammering down the mortgage, and the growth of this investment, right, will eventually get to a point where, you know, that investment you bought for 600 right, is now worth, let's fast forward 10 years, it's worth a million dollars, right, but you still owe 600 on that investment, so you've got so basically you've got four hundred grand, but your home loan over here is now down to four hundred grand. So if you sell that investment property, right, you make four hundred grand, or after taxes you might make three fifty, and you've pretty much paid off your home mortgage on your long term property. Now, understanding throughout this period, right, I don't expect that you the property that you buy will be your forever home. So you might find that over that 10-year period while you're trying to pay off your debt, you've upgraded two or three times or, you know, four or five times, what have you. If that's okay. As long as you always, when you're upgrade, you're always trying to stay at that 50% loan-to-value ratio mark. So you own, you're always trying to, you know, own at least half of, of your new houses as you grow, as you get, as you grow forward. Or, you know, you might extend yourself a little bit above that, but you're always trying, and that's your north star, is trying to get to 50% and then trying to use your equity to invest. So step four, this is where this is where it starts to be, you know, it starts to really, really, you know, snowball and gets really good, right? So let's step four, and what we want to try to aim for in step four is you pretty much got a long-term property that you're happy with, right? And and don't worry, this this is a, this are these five steps can take 30, 40, 50 years, right? So it doesn't matter where you are right now or how old you are. You're not if you if you think you're old, you're not late, there's plenty of time. If you think if you're too young and you, you've got 10 bucks in your bank account, that's fine because Things can happen pretty quickly, but the whole plan for these steps is to to enjoy the ride and just to know that it's going to be okay. It doesn't matter where you are right now. You just just know that if you follow these steps, it's going to work out okay in the long run. So, step four is where, like I said before, we've probably got most of well, ideally we've got most of our property paid off, right? Which means we've got a lot more equity to invest, and this is where it starts to really you know go turbo mode. So critically important and please 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 don't go this step alone this is where you need to engage a really reputable trustworthy financial planner to sit down with and say cool this is the equity i've got i want to make sure that you know i'm building my wealth and, and getting towards retirement so typically someone or i you know i would sort of say just being a little bit conservative you know i wouldn't want you to invest more than half the value of your home so if you let's say at this point in time your, your home might be worth 1.4 million dollars you don't owe anything on the property you might typically look at, you know, potentially speaking to an advisor about investing 700000 into another quality property or, you know, a share portfolio, whatever suits your risk profile, you know, after going through the numbers. So the objective here, right, is we want to just, you know, we're still working or, we, you know, we're, we're maybe slowing down a little bit, but we've got this equity there that we want to safely use it to invest and further grow our wealth. We want to try to avoid sitting on what I'd call just, you know, flat equity, you know, it's not, it's, it's amazing result to have a house, right, paid off or, or almost paid off, but 
over, if you didn't do anything with that equity, you might be disappointed of what you could have done, say, over the next 20 years. So that's why it's really important to speak to a professional at this point, right, to get advice about, you know, turbocharging your wealth creation. So the plan here is, right, we've sort of got – we've now got one eye on retirement. We're sort of thinking, all right, well, we're debt-free. We've got some investments, right? So what's – how do we know when to retire? The answer to that question is, is when you've got enough money coming from your retirement accounts to fund your lifestyle. So I've only spoken about it briefly in step one, but I'll circle back now. So we've, we're moving into step – we're moving into – so step four, right, is – almost paid off using equity to invest. We've now moved into step, basically to get to step five, right? We need to be able to be in a position to retire. And what that means is the income from our retirement accounts is enough to sustain our lifestyle. So we know we can retire is if we have either, it doesn't matter if it's a property, a share portfolio, superannuation, the rent from the property, the dividends from the shares, or the, the pension payments from your superannuation, right? Or it might be government benefits, what have you. It might be government benefits, what have you. Whatever it is, that the com- combination of all those income streams is enough to fund your lifestyle. So if you need, if you and your partner need $100,000 a year to, don't worry about debt, right? Because you're not, if you've got debt, unfortunately, you're still working, okay? So rightly or wrongly, if, you, if you're not having that, find a job you you enjoy more because you've probably got to strap in and sit in the seat for a little bit longer, right? But ideally, you're debt-free, so you need 100 grand to live off, so that would mean that you need to have a certain amount of money in property, shares, super, that the combined income is 100 grand, and that's when you know that you're at a level where you can retire. So going back to my sort of methodology, right, especially in step four, I like to have a couple of different, um, you know, tickets in the raffle. So superannuation is is, is one of the big ones. So superannuation is going to form a large part of your retirement, right? So that, that, but what I've done, if you, if you sort of go back to step four, where we've used equity to invest, if you were to buy a property in step four, use equity to buy a property, for example, what could happen, right? Let's, let's just sort of roughly, roughly speaking, you buy a property worth 700000 at your 50th birthday, right? And you, you, you know that you're going to retire at 65, right? So at 65, hypothetically, right, you could use your super to, to fund you your lifestyle for 10, 15 years, right? So what, what have you? So that gets you to – so you've retired at 65, you've drawn down on your super, right, from 65 to 80. And, you know, let's say the super might be sort of getting close to running out, right? And a financial advisor, this is like I said before, this is all coaching, not advice, but a financial advisor, you're going to pay them, and I highly recommend, you, you know – you part with some money to pay an expert because it's such a comforting feeling to see these numbers all drawn out for you very that, that are very tailored to your situation because it's a really good sleep at night thing just knowing that, you know what, I'm going to be okay. But going back to that example, our 50-year-old is almost debt-free. They've bought a property worth 700 grand, right? Then they've re- at 50. They've borrowed the whole thing, 700,000, right? So at 65, they've had enough. They're retiring. They've got enough in super to last them until 80, then let's say they're running out of super at 80. What we've now got, right, that extra ticket in the raffle was that property we bought at 50 for 700000 So 30 years later, right, let's say conservatively it's worth, you know, using a very conservative growth rate, that property is now worth $2 million, right? And even if you did still owe 700000 on that property, that's another $1.3 million check you're going to get at your 80th birthday, which is going to see you through to the, you know, to 
to as long as you need it, right? So that's just a really sort of rough, you know, like I said, a rough example of, of a typical, you know, setup of how someone would transition from step four to step five. And that's why I'm so passionate about the, the five steps to sort of financial freedom system. If you sort of recap on all them, they're actually incredibly simple and there's just fundamentals that we use to basically move transition people from step one to two to three to four to five and uh, i hope you've ascertained from that that the 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 methodology is designed to get you to financial freedom really quickly but actually really safely i prefer to do it slower and safer and you know don't take any risks and don't make sure you don't let you know you don't want to get any dodgy guys on your team you know you, with 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 all this stuff is you know and you know i am I pay a stack of money to my accountant, to my financial advisor. Obviously, I'm a, a mortgage broker, so I, I specialise in that department. But I can't pay enough to my experts on my team because I just know that if I've got the right team, I'm going to get to where my wife and I are going to get to where we want to go to. And that's what I'm. That's what this podcast is designed to do for you, to just give you that direction to go, okay, cool, maybe, maybe give you the motivation first and foremost to go, all right, I really want to get there. Right, I've made the decision. Okay, now how do I get there? Okay, cool. Here's a five-step methodology, and then who do I? Where am I at now? And then who do I need on my team to get me to where I want to go to? So you can always go to the website if you wanted to get some information on on, on who to speak to, right? To get to, to you know to get your hand held throughout this process. Um, but I'll be coming to you every week. Don't worry, with more tips, and I'm going to make sure that I'm going to drill this into your head that you adopt the five step system. So because I know what I know how good it is on the other side, and I really want to get you there. So there you go, guys. Five step financial freedom system in a nutshell. Right now, we're just going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors, Induce the Money Mailbag. If you're ever in Burley Heads on the Gold Coast, you've got to head down to the Burley Point there. There's a there's an aqua blue little little hole in the wall called Nook Espresso. The owner there is one of the one of the world's best blokes. His name's Marcus Wilkins, and he's one of the world's. If there was the Barista Olympics, which I'm sure there is, he'd be, he's your Usain Bolt of coffee. So if you're ever in the Gold Coast, you know what? I, if you're not there, I'd even organise a trip to go there just to get a uh, a Nook Espresso coffee from the great. Marcus Wilkins. And uh, really, really glad to have Nook Espresso on as a sponsor of uh, this week's Money Mailbag. So the question I've got here, I'll read it out to you. My wife and I have just got married and ended up going into debt to pay for the wedding. <sighs> Not ideal. That's all right. I'll keep reading. We have 30000 in personal loans and credit cards. Oh, geez, I hope it was a good wedding. Um, and we're trying to decide if we should pay off the debt or save for a house first. Okay. Great question. We earn one hundred and fifty thousand combined. Um, we have, which means we have a take-home pay of about two thousand a week. Um, so our expenses we've worked out are twelve hundred dollars a week. So we've we've potentially got eight hundred dollars a week that we can use to either save or pay off debt. Should we put four hundred towards the loans and four hundred towards saving for a property? Great question, and I hear this one a lot because it. The question there, it sounds like they're trying to do the right thing and most people would think that that's pretty, that's pretty fair and reasonable to, you know, if they've got $800 a week surplus cash flow, half, half, right? I wouldn't do that, right? I would always, I, the, reason, the reason I wouldn't do that is because you're always going to pay a higher interest on debt repayments than you're going to earn on savings, right? So um, in this example, what I would do first and foremost, I would make sure that these guys put $5,000 aside. So I'd save that as an emergency fund and put that in that emergency bucket. 
I'd then install my cash flow system to make sure that you know, that $800 surplus is actually $800 surplus, right? And it's getting managed properly and maybe see if we can find the $1,000 a week, right? You know, young couple, no kids, you know, if you can't live off $1,000, I think it's, there's something wrong there. So, <laughs> so what I would do in this circumstance is introduce the debt snowball method. So what the debt snowball method is, is basically getting all your debts, right? and then separating them and figuring out which one's got the highest balance to the lowest balance, and then paying the minimum on the highest balance debts and focusing only on the smallest balance, right? Paying that off in full and then moving on to the next smallest balance and the next smallest balance and the next smallest balance. So in this example, let's assume that they've got 30,000 like they've mentioned and it's broken up into 20,000 in credit card and 10,000 in a personal loan. So to do a debt snowball with these guys, what we would do is I would suggest is you just pay the minimum on the credit card, 20000 right? And then put the $800 a week towards the personal loan and really go to smash that one out. So if you did $800 a week on ten grand, that would take around between 12 to 13 weeks. So only three months. So just focus on that only. So then after that three months, right, if they redirected their $800 into the 20,000 credit card and went really hard at that, that would take about six to seven months. So you see there in in about 10 months, they can go from where they are now to completely debt free. And then if 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 they decided that, okay, well, now we're out of debt, we're going to continue to save that $800 a week, right? A year later, they're going to have around about forty dollars to $45,000 that they can use to get started to actually creating wealth. So that's a great question. And I get this one I get this one all the time um, and, you know, you'd be, you'd, I suppose there's no wrong answer and some people would say that you're better off paying the highest interest debt first, which may mathematically be a better result, but from a men- mentality thing and, you know, looking at it and going, it's very hard when you've got all different types of debts hanging over your head. My experience with, with doing this for so long is that the actual, the, the, fo- the focus to be able to aim at one thing is a lot easier than trying to just, you know, juggle several balls so if you can just go listen i don't really care about those other ones for the time being i'm going to i'm going to go for the easiest kill smash that debt out and then focus on the next one and build up and up and up so that's what i would do in this uh example but great question there guys Guys, that's a wrap for this episode. I hope you enjoyed hearing about the uh, five steps to financial freedom and I hope it got you thinking about maybe, you know, where you're at now, where you want to get to and it gave you a little bit of insight of, you know, how you could potentially start to take control of your finances and work towards, you know, building an amazing lifestyle for you and your family. And uh, I hope the um, going through that has outlined to you that it's actually not rocket science. You know, you don't have to be a genius to be wealthy, but... You do have to get started and you do have to have a you know a couple of principles that you really that you really stick to over a long period of time. And yeah, if 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 done if done so, you're gonna find that it's almost impossible not to become really wealthy and, and build an amazing lifestyle for you and your family. So thank you so much again. Um if you haven't already, um please hit the subscribe button. That way a new episode will be downloaded every week to your phone or to your computer and um, if there's anyone that you think might benefit from having a listen to this one um, I'd love you to share and um, look forward to catching up with you all next week take care